hello and hello. Welcome to another Win Daily Show. My name is Michael Raziel. I got my man Sienna Jad here with me. I got my man Joel Shrek here with me. And we are talking Sanderson Farms Championship. Should be a good one. Some real golfers this time. Uh, two of our favorites. We'll get to them a little bit later. I know both of them are there. Uh, so we're going to get one of those lineups again, Joel. One of those lineups. But gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Sia, you first. How are you tonight, buddy? Uh, I'm good, man. I, I uh, you know, I'm I'm lamenting something from last show. So if you remember when we were going over the six thousand range, I before I got to the golfers I liked, I prefaced it with saying, and we can go back and like check the tape. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I was like, I really like Hudson Swafford at this price, but I looked at his recent form. This is what I actually said last week. I looked at his recent form, and it just doesn't look that good. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and avoid him. And then I named like four other players in the 6K range, which were they were fine players to recommend ultimately. But I'm so mad at myself because I think the lesson in that is, you know, don't always rely, whether it's recent stats or year-long stats or whatever you're looking at, like sometimes if a guy like Hudson Swafford is 6,700 in a super weak field, you know, like go ahead and take a shot, you know, whether it's an outright bet or a top 10 bet or, you know, a few DFS shares. I mean, I didn't have any of them because I had basically looked at him, liked him, but then crossed him off the list. So mm. I'm a little disappointed about that. Our picks were great last week. The only one that failed us was the super chalky one, Will Gordon. And because he was chalky, we didn't have a ton of shares of him. Um, I know that Chris Kirk failed me a little bit, but um, on to the new tournament. I'm, I'm super, um, super psyched about it. I love it. Yeah, it happens, man. It happens. We can't be perfect all the time. We can't look like your hair all the time. See, it's pretty difficult there. Joel, how about you? Did you have fun playing a little, uh, what was it? The uh, Corrales Punticana Resort and Club Championship? Yeah, I, I won a little bit of money last week. Um, I didn't have a huge week, but I had a lot of fun. I mean, the what's fun about DraftKings is, like, when your plays that, like, you know, were kind of out of left field kit, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I hit them. It was awesome. I was just enjoying, you know, hitting some out of left field plays last week. But just to, to piggyback a little bit on what C, what C is saying, you know, one thing that I subscribe to when, when building up, there's no such thing in DFS in any sport as a perfect formula, right? There's no such thing as, like, you know, if you just – follow this every time it's going to work like you know sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's a mix right so like i'm sure the winning field most of the time is a, is a mix of guys who were in good form going into that tournament and guys who weren't that kind of came up and so you just got to be when you're building your lineups be prepared to not be too focused on one strategy and just build only based on that and be able to kind of mix in different people with, with different strategies and things like that of course. And when we are going to be talking over this, again, the Sanderson Farms Championship, uh, we're talking about it from a, a GPP, GPP perspective. Of course, you have to understand what tournaments you're selecting, what you're getting into, and how you're getting into them. A, a single entry is going to be different than a 3 max, than a 20 max, than a 150. So just take under you know what we're saying in, in the understanding that there's GPP. Uh, connotations for that but also if you have specific questions on specific tournaments or plays or where you're going windailysports.com backslash chat seven days for free in our expert discord chat one cool thing about that it's not just pga which we've been crushing it's also nfl which i honestly think we have four five figure wins so far uh jason hit for 25k sia is like non-stop winning money nick i think already has two five figure days um, a couple other people have five figure days like we're not messing around and then we have subs cashing for four figures that subs i apologize i apologize family members cashing for four mm-hmm. figures on a routine basis at this point and it is so much fun so 
windailysports.com backslash chat. Come hang out with us for a little while. It's not just PGA. It's for NFL. It's for the little bit of NBA that's left. It's for the MLB playoffs, which are going on right now. God damn it, Shane Bieber. But we will <laughs> move forward. See, I do, I do have to bring up one thing before we move on. And I, I'm excited to see what it is this week. But, buddy, you are 0-2 for breaking news at this point. Oh, I know, I know. I know last week. I know last week it was a small sample size. I was like, well, you can't really break news and be wrong, but I'll give it to you. You then broke more news on the show this past week. Didn't really work out. Um, do you have more breaking news? Because I will put money oh. on it, whatever it is. Oh. It doesn't matter. But oh, I'm, I'm going to have more breaking news for okay. sure. Okay. And And for the record... My breaking news last week for people who for the, need to play catch up. For the record, that is 0-2 currently. Just need to put the actual <laughs> record out there. But please Correct. continue. Correct. I had my breaking news was taking like a 80-1 to 1 shot. And I basically said he is going to be your first round leader. And it was Kyle Stanley. And the leader was minus 7. And Kyle Stanley was minus 5. So you could say from your perspective, I'm 0-2 because he wasn't the first round leader. However, there are some people that would say, well, it's true he wasn't first-round leader, but what is also true is that Sia's breaking news gave me a solid sweat Thursday afternoon, and that has not – that it's not worth any dollars, but from an entertainment perspective, if you were to put $10 on Kyle Stanley to be first-round leader, which would have paid, I can't remember, like 700 bucks, yeah, you're welcome for the sweat. Well, let me, let me, defend, you, let me defend you a little bit, Sia, because I'll also say this. If we came on here on a show like this and we're basically judged off of give, taking 80 to one shot guys on our record. No, 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 no. It no, would no, be no. We, are, we are not judged on that. We are absolutely not judged on that. We are judged on breaking news. That is so far 0-2. I Believe me, I put dollars, every single one of the bets you guys give me, I put a dollar on all of them. Are you kidding me? I think I've won one. Like, it's not a big deal. It's just, I feel like when you throw out a term like breaking news, I mean, the confidence. I love the balls, man. But, like, I don't know. I'm going to do it again this week. You're going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. We're going to have Spoiler a party. Alert. Just saying. I, I will be breaking news later. So, after we do the DFS plays, I will give you my lock first-round leader. Because we know first-round leaders, like, always come in. So, uh, I'll give you a lock. I will break news. And uh, we're all going to be rich tomorrow. It's as easy as that. I cannot You're welcome, wait. America. I'm in. <laughs> you are welcome america i love it all right let us jump in we are at the what do, honestly what are we at again the sanderson farms championship should be a lot of fun i think it's somewhere down south maybe south carolina shot in the dark i know no not south carolina but definitely down south i know bermuda grass that is something i heard okay mississippi mississippi okay cool that's down south i'll take that so i got half of that right confident in bermuda grass listen to a couple things today getting ready for the show they said Bermuda a million times, so I know that. So I don't know. For what it's worth, I think that part's pretty important. Um, let's jump into it. We have real golfers this time, not to say the gentlemen weren't last time, but a lot more names that we know and recognize, which is kind of nice. It's always a little more enjoyable that way. I know you guys kind of like the other fields because there is that little bit more of an edge. There's a little bit more sharpness to it, but I think having someone like Scotty Scheffler, someone you guys have been uh, playing for a little while, it's a little more fun. Sanjay M back in this tournament. Don't know if we're going to hit him at 10-5 but we'll get there but should be an interesting one so see i'll start with you talk to me about this uh this top tier this this double digit k range and uh where we're going here 
Well, first of all, it's still a very weak field if we're going to compare it to the next like 47 tournaments that are about to come up on, on you know, this year's event FedEx Cup event list. So, I mean, yeah, there's a couple of big names and, and actually the middle range is really kind of nice in this particular tournament. But again, relatively weak field. So Scotty Scheffler is definitely the headliner. Let's see. There's one, two, three. There's five guys that are 10,000 or above. The interesting thing with Scheffler is like he's clearly the class. He's clearly going to be you're going to want to be like making birdies on this course. And he is clearly one of the few like just birdie makers, a guy that can go super, super low. The caveat to just really trusting him or or the kind of the one watch out, if you will, is that he had COVID a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was maybe it was three weeks ago now. I'm not really sure. And so. He's sort of been out of action. So whether you want to say, oh, he might be rusty or whether you want to say, well, maybe he hasn't been playing much. Maybe you want to say this is like a tune up for him because he hasn't been playing much. There's several arguments you could make as to why Scheffler at this price would not be a good play. Another argument for him not being a good play, by the way, is that his ownership is close to 30 percent, which is like obnoxiously high. So he's one of those guys that. Yeah, I definitely want to use him in cash. Yeah, I'll probably have a couple shares of him in GPPs, but in a field like this, I mean, if, if Scotty Scheffler is your best guy in the field, it's kind of that Brandon Steele argument. Now, Scheffler's in a different class. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But remember, we were kind of making fun of the idea that everybody was like, oh, I'm so locked in on Brandon Steele. I like Scheffler a lot, but I also like so many guys in the 9K range that I'm not necessarily locked in. It's, it's not a lock button guy, not even mm-hmm. close. So in this range, okay, so Louis has withdrawn. Will Zalatoris is a popular guy. I know that Joel's going to talk about him, so I'm not going to steal his thunder there. I'm not really interested in Ben on at 10,000. Honestly, this range, I'm largely fading. In my article, my write-up, which I think is going to get posted right after this show, I'll probably have a couple shares of Scheffler, Ims, Alatoris. Let's assume I'm making 20 lineups. I'll literally have only six lineups that feature the three names I just mentioned, and then I'm, the, the other 14 are going to start with, and we'll get to this, we'll, we'll start with like a Sam Burns or a Doc Redman. Interesting. Interesting. So a lot of the same from last week, really, there's no reason to go too high because, again, with a weaker field, that difference between those 10, 11K guys that are normally the Justin Thomases, the DJs, the Brasons of the world, the Rory's of the world, not quite the same drop off as it is to some of these other guys in the 9K range. So, Joel, yeah, I will hold on. I will say before Joel starts, because I don't want to forget to say this. This one's really interesting because as I went to like the 6K range, I actually noticed, like even the low 6K range, I actually noticed some names that I was like, oh, wow, this person's in this tournament. They're only 6,300, like a Wesley Bryan or, the, or a Jonathan Bird who had a good – so you could take a Scheffler you know, and, and be okay and take some of those like bottom feeder guys. I prefer more balance, but again, uh, we can talk about this later, but it's not the kind of thing where the 6K range is a complete dead zone this week. Mm-hmm. So you can take some 6K or a 6K guy and, and maybe be okay. Anyway, sorry, Joel. No, but first, I do want to say, once you said 6K, Joel's face just lit up for anybody listening here on the podcast. He started smiling, saw a little tear in his eye. It was absolutely beautiful. Joel, talk to me a little bit, especially about Zalatoris. I know we were kind of making fun of him a little bit last week, not making fun of him, but the the fact that he was double digits um, in in, in per thousand range, and he's back there again with, again, a, a little bit. Again, weaker field, but still some some well-known golfers in here. So talk to me a little bit about him and the rest of this range. Yeah, I think uh, Sia's last point is kind of right on brand with what I was going to start off with is uh, I'm actually going, not normal, but I'm actually going opposite of Sia this week. So uh, this week, I like the Stars and Scrubs. I like taking a few guys in this top range. I think there, I think there's a handful of guys, a class ahead of everyone else in this, in this tournament, and I want them. So I'm going to be playing a lot of those guys. And then, like Sia said, you can find guys in the 6K range this week 
that aren't that bad. So, you know, the way I'm looking at it is I'm going to get a few 6K guys that I don't find a big difference. They should just date between them and the guys in the seven range. So I can get my, my guys that are priced up in the 10K range, fill out the roster with some, you know, more mediocre guys that are just 6K and, and still feel happy with my roster. So that's how my early lineups have looked at that I've been building. Um, looking at this top range, listen, Scotty Scheffler is expensive, no doubt about it, and he's going to be high owned, which makes it really hard for GPPs with a high owned guy at that price. Here's the caveat to that. With having him, you're going to have to get low in the 6K range to even out the roster, which should be your kind of way of neutralizing the high ownership because you're going to have somebody that not a lot of people are going to have that are kind of down there. So that should be the neutralizer. I do think Scotty Scheffler is the best player in this field by a lot. Um, and I'm going to be playing a lot of them because not only is he the best player in the field by a lot, but the course fits his strengths. So, you know, you need a long hitter. He's extremely long. He's And the, he's been really happy. The only reason he missed the PGA is because he got COVID. So assuming that, you know, COVID didn't really mess him up, which I think it shouldn't have, um, I think he's going to be right back at the top. Um, I think Sung J.M. is interesting. So, uh, we've talked about Sung J.M. on our show a few times. The For those of you who, who haven't heard or, or maybe forgot, he got cold this summer. You know, he was, you know, in FedEx point standings, he was in the top five all year. Uh, the post-COVID break came and he, like, didn't do anything. And so people started fading him. But this is a guy that's more consistent than he had showed earlier in the summer. And now that is starting to come back where he has a couple, a top 25, a top 10, um, he's looking better. And in a weaker field, you got to like someone like him because, you know, it, you know, he's just better golfers than a lot of these guys. So, um it is going to be hard to field rosters with Scheffler and Im, so just get creative on how you do it. But I do like both of them. Keep in mind, um, Im got second here at this exact tournament a year ago, so he has previous success on this course. Zalatoris. So this is the guy that, that, that we want to we want to talk about. So as we all know, I think we've talked, but he's still an amateur. He's not even on the PGA Tour, which is funny to think about considering he's the third highest priced guy in the tournament and. He was the highest priced guy in the last one, and he's not even legal. I mean, technically on the tour. Um, but if you look at like his advanced metrics, his ball striking is like way ahead of everyone. He's killing. He's just playing really well. So if you want to find a guy in really good form, I mean, he he's always been he's he's been one of the better golfers on the Corn Ferry Tour. So it's like one of the better guys in the level below, and he's showed up. He's got two top tens in the PGA Tour in the last two weeks. Um, I don't see why he doesn't go back and at least compete this week. So I'll definitely gonna have my shares of him as well. Um, and then Young Young An, Young Young An is, is someone that you know we talk about a lot in Showdown. Like he's a guy that that for DraftKings purposes scores really well. Right? He'll get you a ton of birdies, which is how you score well. Um, he's kind of hit or miss in that he might have a blow up day, but like in a tournament like this, you need to just score. If he gets you two really good days and two bad days, you're fine, right? He'll score well enough. The The only issue with him on this tournament is his price, and you're, you're not going to get all four of those guys. In one That's impossible. So it's just a matter of picking who you like. But I actually do like the top tier a lot. I'm probably going to be fading more of the middle tier and trying to do a lot of stars and scrubs. So that's my that's my approach for the week. I like that. This is going to be fun. You guys are pretty opposite, so we can kind of uh, you know see how you each feel about it. And one one note on Zalatoris so again, we were trying to figure it out exactly before we got on here. But if he gets a top ten finish, something very good happens to him in some capacity. Whether he gets a 
tour card or he he uh see i think you were saying see right he gets to go to the next he's invited to a couple more and sponsored for a few after that so not sure exactly what it is we I'm sure we could have just done a quick google search we never made it that far but something really really great happens so he has the uh, he has a very good reason to do very well this week which i think is pretty important well, there, there are PGA Tour card implications and there are exemption or I should say uh, sponsor implications if mm-hmm. he finishes top 10. Of course, if he wins it, that's a different story. But um, he is definitely a guy that's going to be keyed in on finishing in the top 10. I think we can leave it at that and be comfortable. Oh, yeah. Shout out, Mr. Zalatoris. Um, let us move on to this 9K range. So as Joel, you said you're going to be going a little more stars and scrubs. 9K does that, but I know Sia said most of his lineups are going to start with Sam Burns. So Sia, talk to me. Sam Burns, Doc Redman, Adam Long, Dylan Fratelli, Connors, Ches Rivi, <laughs> Luke Liss. I mean, all these guys. You've had all these guys in some way, shape, or form so far this year. Why not this? Yeah, week? and I had I had a few of these guys last week, uh, particularly yep. Sam Burns. And, and and the one watch out for Sam Burns is that his ownership is like even higher than Scotty Scheffler's. I mean, he's he's you know Scheffler was tracking two thirty percent, which is probably around the point where it will stop. Burns is already over thirty percent ownership, projected ownership, I should say. So this is one of those where yeah, it's probably better for cash. And you know you can you know you can get really different in this tournament. Like we talked about, the six K range is is a really good way to get different. And some of the some of the seven K guys I like, by the way, are are less than five percent on. And we'll get to that. So just know that Sam Burns is probably going to be the most popular guy on the slate. And by the way, part of the reason is, first of all, he's in pretty good form. I had him last week. He was great. I think he had a bad Saturday. And that's what sort of took him out of actually contending to win the tournament. He bounced back Sunday. Three out of four days, he was great. So his, his form is good. This is a similar field from a talent standpoint. So I don't see any reason why he can't put four above average days together and, and be contending on Sunday. So long hitter, you know, he's just been his all around game has been has been good. So Doc Redman is a ball striker. I like Doc Redman a lot in most tournaments and especially in a tournament where the field is at least somewhat watered down. I feel like that's a place where Doc Redman can shine with his ball striking in particular. Not particularly long off the tee. He's not going to hit it as far as Sam Burns or Scotty Scheffler, but a, a very solid player. And I think it justifies the 9,800 or the 9,700 price. The other guys in the 9K range, I'm not necessarily huge fans of. I'm really not, at least not yet. I'm really not on any of these other guys in the 9K range, except another guy that I liked last week, who I believe finished eighth overall. And that is my friend, Luke List. Not really my friend, but I think he's going to win this week and it's going to be an outright and then we'll be friends because he's going to win me money. So um, I like Luke List. I think I already have a a bet on him. I'll have to check uh, at what the odds were, but it was somewhere in the 40 to one range, I think. Anyway, uh, uh, Luke List, another long hitter. He's in good form. Um, his ownership isn't super high. It's around 15%, a little lower than that. So solid play in GPP, in my opinion. I think if you put enough money on it and he does come through and we just send him a video and say like, hey man, you won Sia like a million dollars. Do you mind coming on the show to talk to us? I don't know. Worth a shot. It might work, man. It might work. Crazier things I mean. Hey, yeah, it's working on. Seriously, whatever we can do anything. <laughs> Put a pretty big bet on him to win to win a million dollars. I love it. <laughs> I, I believe in Sia. Um, all right, Joel, you talk to me. How much of this nine K range again? If you're going a, a little bit higher, it sounds like you're going to be in on this nine K range as well. Where are you going with some of your uh, your plays? Yes, yeah, so I, I really like this this range a lot as well. Um, you know, first off the bat, Munoz won the tournament last year, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen, when I look at course history and I'm breaking down guys I want to play based on course history, an important thing I think about is not just did they do well there once or have they had shown a track record of consistently doing well. So 
winning there once, good. He's capable of winning. But how has he done every other time he played? And then these beyond winning it last year, um, he's got a tied for 50th and a tied for 35th. So, you know, competent but not great. So I'm not going to overly pursue that win last year. Most guys don't repeat winning tournament two years in a row. He's not consistently good here. So um, I want to give everyone the facts. He did win the tournament. I wouldn't fade him completely, but um, he's not going to be someone I'm highly owned on. Um, Doc Redman is a, is a guy that he's he got tied for 52 here last year, doesn't have any other course history. He is playing well. If you guys remember earlier in the summer, he was really competing. He, he strikes the ball really well. And I really like Doc Redman in these kind of like, um, you know, smaller fields because I feel like that's where he can rise to the top of, of the talent. So I like Doc Redman this week. Like Sia says, we'll be in my player pool, but not highly owned. I'll, I'll probably have, you know, maybe 10 to 20% shares of him. Um, Sam Burns is, is an interesting one because he grades out well for this course. He's someone you probably like would look good. You're know, hitting the ball is a long striker. My issue with Burns for this week is just kind of how I'm building my lineups, right? So, um, I'm like I said, I'm doing a lot of stars and scrubs, and there's only so many stars you can pick. You can't pick everybody. And I think what's deterring me from this – not form. His form's been okay. It's more the um, ownership, right? If I'm going to already be playing some other high-owner guys at this price, I, I, I think he's just one guy that I'm going to have to get away from. So, um, I don't think I'll completely fade him, but he'll be low-owned for me personally. Not – Really, he's, he actually grades out well for me. It's just at that ownership, I feel like uh, for a GPPs, I can probably do better um, with some other guys up here. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one guy that, that I'm finding really interesting that's, that's popping off that I'm thinking a lot about this week is Zach Johnson. So Zach Johnson is normally like a guy I always fade. I, I just not like a big fan of his. However, I, you have to be neutral. You can't just not like somebody. He's in good form. And over his last few tournaments, he's been playing well. Um, his price is a little high, so you know that's what makes it difficult to get him in. I, I, w- I would have liked to have seen him, you know, five hundred to a thousand dollars cheaper. However, um, he's got tied for fourteen last year. That's the only time he's played here, so he doesn't have enough course history to really make a strong stance. But this is one showing was pretty strong. So um, I like Zach Johnson just because I think he's playing well, and I think this is a, is a spot where someone like him like usually shows up and and gets a nice score. And the last guy in this range I'm going to mention is uh, Dylan Fratelli. So he's like – Dylan Fratelli is an explosive DFS player because there's a lot of people like really like him. They're like, this is the guy. You got to go A lot of people hate him. They're like, how can you play Dylan Fratelli? Like, he stinks. So it's an explosive play. You know, for me, the way I shake out on Fratelli is he's the epitome of a GPP player, right? He's a guy that's kind of hit or miss. He's either going to have a really good week and score really low or he's probably going to blow up. So – um, you know, he's the type of guy that like definitely do not lock him into your lineups. That would not be a good idea. But definitely put if you can, like if you're gonna build a few lines where you can squeeze him in and definitely get him in there because he can definitely finish top ten here. Um and he does do, do score well. So like you'll notice there's guys that, that'll be in the winning lineup that sometimes finish like 30th. Like how the guy in 30th in the winning lineup because they got 20 birdies, they just also had 35 bogeys. So he's the type of guy that will do that. So he can even get you a win in, not finishing that high. Yeah. 
plus 15 usually not great but in dfs we don't care man a eight uh what is it uh, i'd rather nine birdies and nine bogeys than uh, 18 pars there's no question about that i think yeah, that might have been a good example plus 15 won't uh, get <laughs> every good story needs a little hyperbole joel i think you're doing a great job buddy keep doing you keep doing you um all right so let us move on to this 8k range uh, again a bunch of guys i still understand and still know who some of these guys are starting to lose a little bit somewhere in this range and see if i'm not mistaken you said you kind of really like this 8k range right yeah it actually the it's the 7k range uh, that i'm really in love with um but no i like the 8k range so grio is in there at 8800 i'm not going to be too heavy on him but i did like him last week and, and one thing i want to be really careful about doing is you know grillo was okay last week but i don't want to just pivot off of a guy that i liked literally four days ago or five days mm-hmm. ago just because he had like a subpar no pun intended week so some of these guys that I liked last week, especially with a similar talent, um, you know, in the field and a, quite frankly, like a similar course in terms of it's it's not a super easy course. It's right around average, but it's certainly not a super difficult course. So um, some of these guys that I had last week, like a Chris Kirk, who like absolutely bombed, like I'm going to have a couple shares of him because I liked him last week and I think he might be OK this week. But going down the range, I, you know, I'll point out Bud Cauley did withdraw. Sergio Garcia is really interesting because like he's obviously an elite player in this field, but his putting has been so grossly bad. And so it's one of those things where you're like, well, you know, I guess you could get a hot putter, but you can't really say that about Sergio these days because he hasn't had a good putter in like a really, really, really long time. But because he's such a good ball striker, because he gains off the tee, he's a guy that I'm going to have a couple shares in just like maybe he gets lucky with the putter. He's a great guy to have in showdown more so than maybe over four rounds, but I will have a couple of shares of him. Um, A couple other guys I like in this 8K range are Patrick Rogers and Cameron Davis. Cameron Davis is going to be super popular. If you listen to any podcast this week on the Sanderson, there are going to be plenty of people that are going to talk up Cam Davis. And, And it makes sense because all he's been doing lately is making cuts, and he's a perfect course fit for this course. So, again, this is a guy maybe you want to shove in your cash lineup versus a GPP. But, again, if you have him in GPP, that's okay. Just be different in a lot of other places, and you, you know, you'll know you be okay if you really like Cam Davis. And, and I do like Cam Davis this week. It is tracking at around 25% ownership, though, so just know that. Cam Davis is a guy that I'll also have in the outright market as well, just so you know, because I think the odds justify it. Mm, I love it. I love it. Uh, Joel, how about you, man? What about this 8K range? Um, I, I, I'm still intrigued in this range. I promise I'll start to fade a little bit more as we get a little bit lower. Uh, uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Can you okay. hear us? Yeah, loud and clear. So uh, my, my, sorry. My, my biggest, I think the guy I'm on the most in this range is definitely Carlos Ortiz. Um, so let me give you a little background on Carlos Ortiz. Carlos Ortiz is someone who was like a sneaky play of mine or normally is a sneaky play of mine um, for since I've started doing this. Uh, granted, that's only been like six months, but still I, I, I've always been a fan of Carlos Ortiz. Uh, his form has been give, hit or miss, miss more often lately. However, um, what what's really driving me toward him this Oh, oh darn. Go. He sunk the punchline. Yeah. Well, what, what, let me – let me finish the thought just for a second because Ortiz, the last two years at the Sanderson Farms, has finished fourth and third. And I know that's mm. – obviously, that's exactly what he was talking about earlier in terms of like a consistency in terms of finishing well on this particular track. So, I mean, or- Ortiz grades out well there. I mean, he was 
46th at the Safeway. That that was his most recent tournament. Not too impressive. 25th at the BMW, and then he missed three cuts yeah. um, right before that. So I think that's a good GPP play. Um, his mm-hmm. ownership is, I think when I just looked at it, it was around like 14%. So that's not too bad for a guy who finished fourth and third the last two times he's been here. I mean, at this price, that actually makes sense. He wasn't on my radar at all, but that that mm-hmm. certainly makes sense. I, uh, um, I understand why Joel was, was curious if we could hear him because uh, I guess uh, his internet <laughs> his internet hasn't been too great. Oh, but he's back. But he's back. Got a little closer to that Wi-Fi, bud? I got closer to the Wi-Fi. Now I realize that I'm... <laughs> yeah, we can't... can't see. It's a really... I love uh, it because... Sensual, yeah, like a nice silhouette. Yeah, it looks like it looks like you're on one of those like crime solving shows, and you're yeah. you're like, uh, like an anonymous witness that doesn't want to be revealed, which is kind of cool because like you're giving out this like Carlos Ortiz pick that you know maybe you don't want people to know because you're gonna you're gonna hammer it in the outright market and you don't want the IRS to come after yeah. you. That's the story we're building. How deep how deep can you make your voice right now? <laughs> how does this sound? Nope, I sound like uh, <laughs> like Oscar the Grouch. Kermit exactly, the Grouch, Sesame Street. I have a one year old. I've been watching a lot of Sesame Street. I actually, some say I have the best Cookie Monster impression. So oh, well, we have to one. hear. We have <laughs> yeah. to hear that. Now. We have to hear that now. Let's go. Tell us the rest of your Carlos Ortiz. Um, yeah, cookies. <laughs> no, do Carlos Ortiz analysis in Cookie in a Cookie Monster voice. <laughs> no, so back Carlos Ortiz. <laughs> we do need to see you though. That is the only thing we actually cannot no, we don't. see. You. Okay, you carry are- on, carry on. Let's see AK range, and then we'll see. So you guys know, I'm also moving tomorrow, so my apartment looks like a disaster. So. I got a lot of obstacles working against me tonight, but we're still getting you the content that you guys need. So don't worry about that. <laughs> the, but let me get back. Carlos Ortiz is important because he's one of my my favorite plays, definitely in this range. Um, I'm not sure where I could have, but what I was saying was last year he was um, he finished tied for fourth. The year before that, tied for third. So he's got two top five finishes last year. And that's where I was saying before, you want to find guys who are consistently good on the board, not guys who had one good year. He does that. And he's one of those guys that, you know, I think his ball striking numbers are a little bit better than usually how he's priced. Now, he's priced up. like He's normally a 6K range guy. He's obviously way more expensive than that this week. Um, so he's priced accordingly for the week. But I really like him. I don't think his ownership is going to be that high. Um, so I think you're going to get a nice sneaky value play with a guy who you know has consistent success on, on this course. I love it. Um, a couple other guys in this range that, that, that I'm going to target is Siwoo Kim. So Siwoo Kim is a guy that his ball striking – and his recent form is is really strong. And if you noticed, um, was it two tournaments ago or, or two or three tournaments ago? He was the highest priced golfer, right? So um, you know, it shows you a couple of weeks can do right. Things change. Had he maybe you know finished a little bit higher in one of those tournaments, he'd probably be right in the top range again. So I think that's where we're getting to, in the, like what we talked about in the beginning of the show, where it's like you know with Hudson Swafford, right? It was like. Well, you know, think about this price kind of took me off. It's kind of the same thing with him. It's like, yeah, maybe a tournament or two is a little bit of recency bias, but this is a guy who, as of a month ago, would have been the highest priced golfer on the slate. So um, I'm definitely going to have some shares on him. I, I could see him um, even taking down the whole tournament this week. Um, and then the last two guys, I know, you know, Sia Menson, Cameron Davis is really high owned. I think that is a turnoff for me. I do like him this week from the standpoint that he's, his metrics fit this course. He's going to hit it long. We want long hitters, and basically if they say accuracy shouldn't matter too much. So if he gets it out there in the rough, that shouldn't affect him too much. He should be able to recover and score well. So I'm definitely like Davis. Um, I want to see where an ownership numbers look come Saturday because if it's too high, I just don't think it makes sense to play him. But if it's you know around 10 or under, 10%, then 
I'll definitely have him in my lineups. The, my last play in this range that I'm going to bring up is uh, this is a tough one. I'm going to butcher his name. Zinjun Zhang. Um, nice. <laughs> Zinjun is a uh, is was winning one of my big tournament winning lineups. So I have a soft spot for him because he's won me a lot of money before. Uh, he often goes under the radar. He's not someone that we often talk about, uh, but he's pretty consistent. Now, I don't think he's going to win the tournament, so I wouldn't like go there. But I do think he's a top twenty, right? I think he's consistent. He's above average golfer in this range at this price. If you can get maybe you know two higher price guys, two lower price guys, and, and fit him as your last spot, I think that's a really good value that can, can add uh, at least get a winning lineup as, as like your sixth golfer. Yeah, for for Mr. Zhang, last couple times out at the Corrales last week, um, had ninety four DraftKings points. The week a uh, couple weeks before at the Safeway, ninety five. Uh, so both top fifteen, top fourteen finishes. We're not too angry about that. It's definitely going to do his thing. So, uh, Joel, while Sia starts talking about the seven K range, uh, you go figure out your writing. Right. How's that sound? <laughs> That's <perfect>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sia, talk to us a little bit about the seven K range. Uh, as you said, you're very you're in on it. You're excited for it. Yeah, I mean, th- there's just a few guys I-, I like to lean on that that are in this 7K range. By the way, I like the point on Siwoo Kim. I think Siwoo Kim is actually a really smart play if you consider his price. And let's see, his projected ownership isn't that high. It has jumped in the last day or so, so it might jump again, but it's not going to go above 15%. It definitely won't go above, above 15%. And for that quality of golfer, um, it actually kind of makes sense to stick him in some lineups for sure. So there's a few guys I like. Uh, like I'll be kind of quick here because the 7K range is actually like super big. So maybe I'll just go from 7,900 to 7,500 for now. I think Denny McCarthy, McCarthy is a great play. Um, he, he played last week. I don't think he was particularly great. A little disappointing. But again, I'm not going to pivot off a guy just because one week he was he was a little bad when I liked him five days ago. So um, Tom Lewis is a guy I really like for a couple reasons because we're talking GPP mostly. He's 5% ownership right now, and he'll probably stabilize around 5 to 6%. And he is exactly the golfer that Joel was describing when he was talking about Dylan Fratelli, except he's just in a, in a, in a cheaper range and therefore probably has a little bit more blow-up potential. But if you recall, Tom Lewis, for a couple – I mean, there's probably a couple of tournaments. He had a few rounds that were just mm-hmm. unbelievably good. He's finished second in the WGC, which is a talent-laden field. But granted, that was a little while ago, and he's been pretty bad ever since. But he's just the type of guy – like, again, we're talking GPP. We're, tra- we're talking about trying to win a tournament outright – and we know he is the type of guy that can contend on Sunday and can get really hot and make a ton of birdies on a birdie-making course. So at 5%, I think he's kind of the perfect play, not to lock button, of course, but to have in a few lineups because if he goes off, you're picking up so much leverage. You're picking up so much on the field. So I like him. There's a couple of guys that aren't quite as sexy as like the Tom Lewis, which isn't a sexy name, but his prospects to me are sexy. Guys that are kind of more like you'd almost consider them safe plays, but to me, they're in such good form. I've leaned on him so much in the past. Stuart Sink is one of those guys. He's in really good form. He just took down a tournament. He's not a long hitter. You know, you prefer length at this course, but you don't have to be long here. So him and Rory Sabatini, who, by the way, hasn't been as good lately. I like both of those guys. I think Rory Sabatini and Stuart Sink are historically underrated, underowned, you know, underbet, whatever you want to call it. So I like those two. And then once we get down to that 7,500 rate, actually my next guy is 7,400. So I'll let Joel um, take uh, the 7,900 to 7,500 range real quick. Yeah. And this range, I'm a little light on my, I have two plays I really like. Um, 
And, and while I'm here, I, I realize we, we missed one guy. One guy I just want to mention before we get too into it is Lucas Glover. He's 8,000. So he's at the edge of the range. Um, but the reason I want to mention him is because Lucas Glover is super consistent. So he's a guy that, like, for cash, I really like. Maybe not as much for GPPs. Uh, but just so everyone has all the information, he's got a pretty good course history. He didn't make the cut last year. But he's got a tied for 14 in 2019, tied for 5th in 2017, 39th in 2016. He's pretty consistent. Um, so he's definitely someone to keep your eye on at 8K. And then heading into the 7K range, um, right below, I really like Danny McCarthy this week. Um, I've been on him a, a lot recently. Again, my biggest thing most recently has been, what have you done for me at this course? So last year, tied for 18. The year before that, tied for 7th. So he's got enough um, recent history where he's done pretty well. I mean, I just remember, like, uh, he was a, a, a tournament-winning golfer at the uh, Northern Trust, was it? No, it was a couple tournaments before that where he went seven under on Sunday, and everyone who had him was basically making money. So he's a guy that can definitely get you there, and he's in a cheap enough price where in this tournament, I would have, like, if I was worked for DraftKings, I would have priced him definitely in the high eight. So I think there's a good value there. Um Continue to kind of look in this range, I think, just to have the information. I don't love Chesson Headley. He has a tied for, or he has finished second tier in 2018. Um, his recent form isn't bad. He is, he's another one of those hit or miss type of guys where he either comes to play or he kind of implodes. So, yeah, obviously don't staples button him, you know, low ownership. But yeah, I think it's safe to put him in a few lineups uh, where the salary makes sense. So, like, you know, I mentioned those those types of players are the ones where you've put five guys in and you just need one guy in this range. Okay, if that's the case, then yeah, that, that, that guy makes sense. Um, and then the last guy from this range that I'll even mention, uh, is it, yeah, 7,600 is still this range. So um, Brian Stewart. So Brian Stewart's an interesting one because he's playing really well recently. He, he, he won. He was really good in a tournament. Really, it was a bad field. Um, which, you know, this is too. Uh, but, you know, his form is good, and he tends to kind of play up to these bad fields. Like, he tends to play really well when they, he – to me, it feels like when he feels like he has a real chance, he plays to that, right? So um, I think this could be another spot for him to, to show up and, and get another top ten. It looks like the safe way he was tied for third uh, yeah. and then also had 115 DraftKings points. So that's nothing we're angry about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And his, his track record here is, is pretty good, Michael. It's it's 28th in 2020 or last year, so to speak. And uh, he missed the cut in 2019, but in 2018, he was fourth. So he clearly has, you know, top five potential here. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Someone loved our uh, Griot play from last week. So hopefully the Griot play from this week will be just as good s guy eight four uh eight four zero there we go yeah i I assumed it was sia you put sis Uh, unless your sister plays DraftKings, which is totally fine too i don't think that's by the way he might be talking about the the griot play for this week oh because i yeah anyway i don't know maybe he's not but uh we know s guy 840 i think might have joined us on the nfl show which by the way is Mm -hmm. tomorrow 8 30 and we're gonna have a special guest tomorrow for that so um thanks for participating buddy we appreciate you yeah, keep staying by. Ask us questions if you have any and uh, make some money with us because we've been doing a lot of that recently. Uh, <laughs> all right, Sia, let's talk about the rest of the 7K range. I see my man Taylor Gooch is in there. I'm yeah, I've got, another, I've got there. another Taylor to to feed you, though, and, and it's Nick Taylor who is right okay. in that 7,400 range. So I, I've, I've sort of always good. been. That yeah, was really good, you. by the way. Thank that you. was pretty That was good. It almost seemed orchestrated, but it uh, it was not. Nobody anyway, 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, by the way, Taylor Gooch isn't a bad play. I, I just happen to not be on him. I'm going to be, uh, instead of the guy Taylor Gooch, who's about 13% ownership, I'm going to be on the guy that's 2% ownership. Again, we're talking GPPs. And I, for me, particularly in this tournament, I'm really just searching for upside. I, I don't mind booming or busting. And, and I'm, I got to be honest, I'm starting to sort of transition my way of thinking in these tournaments from cut makers, which I, which was my previous sort of the way I would do things to listen, we're talking GPPs. And even if they're like single entry GPPs for me, they're usually, you know, 2000, 5,000, 10,000 single entry GPPs. So I'm starting to go for the boom potential as opposed to the cut maker potential. Um, so that's sort of where Nick Taylor comes in. I mean, he hasn't been very good lately. Um, although at the BMW, I, I believe after round one, he was the, he was the round one leader and he was, I think he faded the rest of the way he made the cut. And I think he finished 51st, but at this particular tournament, Let's see, he has, in the last four times he's played here, he's got a missed cut, a 26th, a 23rd, and a 20th. So, again, I just, I don't know that he has the the super big upside to put four great days together, but I just, I've seen him compete in years past in bigger tournaments than this, and at 2% ownership, I'm just going to, I've just decided I'm going to have a few shares, even though the metrics don't pan out. But again... If I had just ignored the metrics last week, I would have had an outright on Hudson Swafford. So we need to be careful with the models that everybody is leaning on and things like that. They are very instructive, but they're not like, listen, if the models were always right, we'd all have the same model and we'd all be winning the same prize, right? Mm So uh, Nick Taylor is where I'm at there. I'm looking at Hudson Swafford at 3% and I'm like, am I really going to avoid this guy again? So just for the sake, listen, he's obviously in good form. He's a long hitter. So have a couple shares of Hudson Swafford. Not a guy I'm leaning on. I think his track record here isn't very good um, from what I recall. So uh, a few other guys in the 7,000 range I like. I'll go over them real quick. There's only three that, that are really sort of jumping out at me. Uh, Cameron Tringal I really like at 7,300. He's just a solid player. And when he's hot, he's hot. And I just think in this field, talk about guys that like you were talking about Brian Stewart, who like shows up at fields where he know he can maybe win. Cameron Tringale is actually that's a perfect description for Tringale as well. And by the way, I do like Brian Stewart as well. But um, I, I, I should have mentioned him. That's how much I like him. So uh, I like Cameron Tringale for the same reasons. Um, Chris Kirk, again, Chris Kirk is the type of guy that is sort of you know boomer bust but when he's on he's he's very good he's very good with his irons when they're on so i was on him last week i'm just going to be on him this week i'm not going to cut bait after one week and then the other guy i like again boomer bust under five percent ownership but has the pedigree he's just been injury plagued for like a year straight and that's jb holmes at seven thousand. i will be taking a couple shots at jb holmes as well what's up jb let's get it um he's been nope never mind he's held me golf twice since the comeback missed the cherry uh, missed the workday charity cut and was tied for 46th at the safeway but i mean that is that's fun man um and as our friend s guy says risk it for the biscuit we're, we're here to make money man that's why we're talking gpps all right joel talk to me a little bit about this seven the the, the lower half of the 7k range because again if you're going very top heavy you're doing stars and scrubs i'm assuming you got a couple guys down here that you like yeah so this is the range this is all described all my plays in this range right this is the range where You've built your Stars and Scrubs lineup. You've got your five guys, and now you have someone in this range that you need to fill in. So I'm not in love with anyone in this range. There's a few guys I like, so I'm just going to kind of list through the, the likes. Um, at starting in this range, I, I like Nick Taylor. I, I don't love him. Not, probably not as much as Sia does, but but I like him. He's definitely someone you can fit in at this price range. Uh, I like JT Poston. JT Poston is a guy who I would say in June, maybe probably a little earlier than June, he would have been one of the highest-priced guys in this field. Form does mean a lot. His form isn't been there, 
So I understand why he is priced here, but kind of going over what Sia was saying to open the show, you know, he is the talent to be one of the better golfers in this field. He just hasn't been playing really well. So if you want to throw him in a lineup, I think that's completely fair. Um, going down, yeah, I mean, Swafford just won a tournament. So, yeah, you can certainly like him. Um, Cameron Percy, I actually probably like the most in this range, um, mainly because his form isn't bad. He's, he's been playing well, but his course history, tied for 11th last year. Um, he didn't play in 2019. Then he's tied for 34th, tied for 42th, tied for 15th. So he's making a lot of cuts here. Um, he's competing. Um, you're going to need better than those 42 and 34s, but he's got two in the top 20s, and those will get you there. So you'll know at least you're going to get a cut maker, someone that's going to compete, above average guy. In this price, I think he checks a lot of bo- boxes. Um, and the last guy in this range that I'll mention, or the last two guys in this range that I'll mention are, so an interesting one here is, it is. It is. is it, do you, would you pronounce it Christopher? I, something wants me to do Christopher Ventura. Mm. It's, right? it's just spelled with a K. <laughs> yeah, I would do Christopher there. Christopher, okay. Um, so well, the reason I really like him is because he was on my radar last week um, because his form was good. But it, last week, I don't remember off the top of my head, but his price was like in the 9,000s. And this isn't that much weaker of a field. So why did he drop so much? I don't know. I still think he's he's a good player. So I actually think not because I super love him as a player for this course, but because of the price discrepancy, I think he's just undervalued this week. And because of that, anyone in the, when I have when I need someone in this range, I'm definitely going to be targeting him. Um, and Kirk, I'm going to go back to Kirk. Kirk is the top ten here. Um, his top ten was in 2018. He hasn't really played here much other than that. Uh, yeah, he's definitely a risk. He's another one of those kind of lineup fillers, but. Definitely someone that's that's worth maybe taking a couple shots on. Got to take shots somewhere, man. We got to take shots somewhere. That's how we make the money. That is how we make the money. All right, let's get to the fun part. Uh, Sia, 6K range. Uh, we always know, of course, you have your secret weapon. Again, I said it in the beginning, windailysports.com backslash chat. Sia has not missed a sing- secret weapon yet. Every single one has made the cut. And not only just made the cut, but it's actually done pretty damn well. And that's, this is a golfer that's under 7K, that is under 5% owned that most people probably haven't even heard of their name. And then once Sia graces the world with their name, that golfer becomes just absolutely fantastic. So it's a little magical spell we're working here, but it's still working. We're going to keep going with it. But the rest of the 6K range, you do pretty well on too. So talk to me a little bit about this range uh, because we know Joel is going to need to dip down here at some point. So I um, last week, the secret weapon was Hank Leviota. So I, I only bring him up because... I wanted to say the name, the moniker Hammer and Hank, because it's oh. fun. So I just said it there, but I'll probably say it again in a few seconds, like in a more fun way. But the point is, is um, Leviota was like, kind of, you know, he made the cut, which was great. I mean, he was like, I think he was priced at like 6,400 and that happened to be my secret weapon. So I went way down in the range. Um, he scored kind of average, you know, on Saturday, but on, on or maybe a little below average, actually. On Sunday, he had a birdie streak on the front nine and I think an eagle on the back nine. So he was like mm. a scoring monster on Sunday. So uh, that helped a few of my lineups that actually cashed. Unfortunately, a lot of my lineups had Kirk. So that was that was an issue with me cashing most of my lineups, but not all. So anyway, um, I will have a secret weapon, but I was proud of Hammer and Hank for coming through on Sunday in particular because a lot of these secret weapons, they make the cut, and then sometimes they might just fizzle on Saturday and Sunday, but uh, Lebiota did the, the opposite. So a few 6K guys I like. The first one is right at the top of the list, Tom Hoagie. He is really, really, really good with his irons. Um, not great off the tee, not necessarily a great putter. Um, I'm trying to remember the tournament uh, where he was – 
first place after round one. It was a recent tournament. Um, he can really get hot with his irons. In the summer, he was pretty much cold. Um, but I think his game is actually coming into form. And I think this is a really good tournament, a really good time to take him. It looks like it was the Wyndham. Uh, he shot 62 that first uh, first round. Um, so gotcha. I'm, I'm assuming he was uh, he was pretty damn close to the top there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like him quite a bit. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to take a look at his course history real quick. And, yeah, so he, he had three consecutive missed cuts, but then last year he finished 39th. So, I mean, you can read into that whatever you want. Maybe he's getting used to the course, who knows, or maybe he's, you know, as of last year was coming into form. That's not going to be very instructive, but he's just one of those guys at 6,900 I think is a good play um, because he's such a good ball striker, uh, particularly with his irons. Um, a couple other guys I like, Adam Schenk. So, again, I know I'm going kind of kind – of, Boom, and I'm kind of trying to go with the guys that have a ton of upside. But I do need to point out that Adam Shank is your classic cut maker. Like this guy has made, I don't know how many consecutive cuts, it's seven or eight cuts in a row. And so when you're looking at a guy at 6,700 who has made that many cuts in a row, now he doesn't finish very strong. So, you know, he's finishing 30th or like sometimes 50th or 20, 22nd, whatever it is. So, you know, the upside is limited. But I believe in 2019, that's what it is. 2019, he finished seventh year. So he actually has top 10 upside on this course. I mean, there's actually like empirical data to support that. So um, I'll have a couple shares of Gim. Again, I'm just going with my formula from last week. I don't want to abandon everybody I had last week. And Gim was one of my guys last week. Um, a few other guys that I'll have just very limited shares of. Thigala, I'll actually have a couple shares of. He can get hot. He's probably more of a showdown guy than he is, you know, a four rounds guy, but I'll have a couple shares of him at 6,600. I'll go back to Hammer and Hank at 6,500, a share or two. I'm not necessarily leaning on that one. I don't have as much confidence in him this week as I did last week in naming him the secret weapon. Ryan Armour, or as Joel likes to say, Armour, uh-huh. is interesting because he's actually taken this tournament down before. So not a long hitter. He doesn't necessarily fit this course like some of these other guys that I like, like a Cameron Davis, Sam Burns. But Ryan Armour, you know, we saw him over the summer get hot for a couple tournaments in a row. So he absolutely has the ability to, especially at 6,400 and under 2% ownership, to actually make your GPP lineup. One other guy, two other guys I want to mention. One is basically stealing Joel's thunder because this guy was an a scoring monster and he was so he was buried on the depth chart if you will and he's buried on the depth chart this week and his name joel do you, you know who i'm talking about right kelly kelly craft this guy that sounds like the ambassador to hellman's or craft or mayonnaise is like just a, a, I mean, he's a scoring machine i mean last week he had I don't know if it was like five or six birdies in a row one day and a birdie streak the next day or whatever it was. I mean, this is the type of guy that can creep up in your GPPs. And really, if he makes the cut, you can kind of lean on him to maybe have a bad Saturday, but a great Sunday or vice versa. So I like that. The other guy that was surprising to me that he was down here, and it took me a second to realize he was actually down here. Um, Matthew Naismith is one of them, but Wesley Bryan. Um, Wesley Bryan put to earlier this year, put together a few great rounds, a few great tournaments. And I'm just surprised. I mean, the last few, he hasn't been very good. That's why he's 6,300 and under 4% ownership. But the fact that he's even 3% ownership 
right now at 6,300 tells you that some people had the same reaction I did because most of these guys are like under 1% or 1.5% or something like that. So I think Wesley Bryan's really sneaky at 6,300. I mean, this goes with that stars and scrubs narrative that Joel was talking about. And Jonathan Bird is, is probably the last guy that I think I might have a share of at less than 1%. Uh, he shined a little bit last week as well. So that's there's a lot of the guys, there's a lot of guys in the 6K range I'm willing to take shots on this week. Normally there's just like three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, you know, again, if I have 20 lineups, I might have, you know, eight or nine of these guys, you know, just dispersed within those 20 lineups, which is a lot. It's, you know, yeah. Normally you wouldn't have that. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah, recommend yeah. it at least. No, 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 no. We'll we'll listen to you, Sia. Don't worry. You're the one that's uh, been helping us make money for for Wesley Bryan. Um, top twenty five at the Travelers. Top twenty five at the Rocket Mortgage. Thirty one at the Wyndham. And the other one that I was looking at that was interesting, Mister Amwa. Uh, he had <laughs> let's see, bringing it up here. He had uh, tied fourth at the Rocket and tied six at the Travelers. So yeah, I mean it was a little earlier in the summer, you know, June July time frame. Hasn't really been great since actually he missed his last three cuts, including last week. But hey, obviously the possibility is there, and that's sometimes really what we need with these guys. Yeah, and and by the way, missing the cut last week is 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 a pretty good indicator because that was an easy field, and yeah. you know, so I'm glad you pointed that out. So you know, I I probably and I know Joel's going to mention some too, and he's probably going to mention Armor too. I probably mentioned like ten guys in that six K range, and Armor admittedly would be on the lower end of that. But just the fact that he won in 2018, he was 25th at the Wyndham, which wasn't too long ago. But you're right. His recent form, including last week, was was not very good. But will I have a share of Ryan Armour out of 20 lineups? Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, Joel, talk to me. You're going to be uh, you're going to be dumpster diving a little bit. So where uh, where what uh, what street corner are we going to? Because sometimes yeah, I like find some good stuff down there. I think like my my story of this tournament is this range. So I just think there's a few. I don't know if the the player pricers at DraftKings got lazy this week or what, but I just think there's a there's a handful of guys that don't belong in this range, and so I'm going to find that value, and I'm going to do my stars and scrubs, knowing that like I there's a lot of prize possessions down here that I found already that normally I really struggle to find when we're building for other tournaments. So with, with that being said, I feel like you know there's no there's no difference between some of these guys I'm about to list and the seven K range. Mm-hmm. Um, now the first thing I'm going to start off by saying is Bo Hogue, who we were mentioning. What tournament was it that he got the lead in? It was the Wyndham Championship, and it was the guy who tied HV3 the day we made the HV3 versus on reader, leader bet. I remember this like it was yesterday because I remember HV3 coming out, shooting a ridiculous first-round score early, and me just thinking, no way anyone is sh- tying that score. That's an absurd score. I, I was already celebrating. I already cashed my check. I was I won. And then this guy comes in the afternoon and goes nuts. I'm like, how is this guy going to – and he actually, you know what? He should have actually beaten him. He actually took the lead going into 18, and then he bogeyed 18, which gave us back to the tie to, to, for Varner. So, uh, yeah, we can't forget that. So, yeah, he is. He's in good form. I would say for him for this week, I like him a lot more for a showdown slate than I do for the whole week because I just think he has a hard time putting four days together. But like we always say, if he does even three days and blows up one day, that's good enough for scoring on drafting. So um, from that, I, I do like him as a couple of shares target. Um, I do like a lot of guys in this range, so I'll try to be quick so, so everyone can get to see our super exciting presidential election this evening, uh, at least the, the debate for the election. Uh, but the, the first guy that, that I'm going to mention is Patton Kazire. So Patton Kazire is a guy that um, recently I've been targeting in, in a lot of, uh, of my tournaments. 
He hasn't been coming through that well, but he hasn't been terrible. So he's just kind of been mediocre. His form, I wouldn't say, is bad. Um, however, he does have a decent course history. Last year, he missed the cut. He didn't play in 2019, but then in 2018, he's, a, he's tied for 10th, missed the cut in 2017, and then in 2016, he's tied for 4th. So that's two top 10s, which is good, for, especially for a guy in the 6K range, um, but they're not recent. So I don't want to put too much weight on that because it was a few years ago, but for a guy that you know can have success on this course, there's a target. I'm going to scroll down a little bit further. I'm going to mention Adam Shank. Uh, he's not like typically one of my favorite plays, but um, he has a tied for seventh in 2019. Uh, and again, he it, especially in this field, he's someone that feels like he should probably be another thousand dollars. So getting a good bargain on his price, definitely if he makes sense, well, we'll fit him in. Um, a guy I like a lot here is one of my favorite plays. I would say in the 65 to 7,000 range is Bronson Burgoon. So Bronson is actually in pretty good form. I mean, form is kind of looked at differently compared to the field, right? So he's not you don't have to worry about any of those top guys. With the guys compare, you have to compare him to, he's in good form. Um, with that being said, he, last year he was tied for sixth, didn't play the year before. He withdrew in 2018, which doesn't give you anything because he could have been playing well and just withdrew. It doesn't mean he was bad. He could have maybe got hurt. Um, didn't play the year before that, and he has a tie for 20th. So his results when playing, as long as he doesn't withdraw, are very strong. Um, and his recent form is good at this price. He just seems like a really good fit. Um, so I, I, I don't see, like, I wouldn't definitively rather have most of those guys in the 7K range than him. So I'm definitely going to be playing a high volume of him. Um, I also like, and this is an interesting one we don't always go to, Robert Streb. So, um Bob is not a very known guy. Um, <laughs> Bobby, Bobby, I think he likes to go by Bobby with an eye. He's a, he's probably a, a lower known golfer, if you will. Um, however, he he plays in all the big tournaments. You'll see his name on the leaderboard. He's one of those guys that you always see pop up. Oh, who's that guy, right? And then you know he maybe doesn't put out the other four days, but he's been around and he's got the history here with his last year tied for twenty three and tied for twenty six. So. I think first hearing those numbers, you're probably like, no, it's okay. It's not great. But a couple things, right? Two top 25 or at least right around top 25 finishes at a course means there's you're playing better there than you do normally. So that's something to, to target, right? You're better on this course than you would be on, on a different course. So there's the reason one. Reason two, tied for 25 and 26 at this price, cashes, right? If you have those two top tier guys that win the one, first and second place and he gets 25th, that's enough for you to win a GPP. So you don't need to get one through fifth place. You need to get guys at the right price. If your 10,500 guy wins the tournament and then your 6,000 guy gets 20th, that can win. Um, as I continue to scroll uh, in a similar thought process is Scott Stallings. So Scott Stallings, um, if you recall, right when the return started, he was red hot. He had two top five finishes. Um, he was almost like, for me, he was like a must play in the beginning. He's come back down to earth. Obviously, he's not still doing that. Um but it shows you that he has the fight. He, he's capable, right? He's a, he's not one of these guys that never gets there. He's, he's done it before in this field. Those are the type of guys you want to look for because these are the guys where you can, they pop when, you know, the, they don't have to face Bryson and Rory and, and all those guys. With that being said, Stallings form on, uh, on this tournament tied for 28th, 39th, 43rd, 28th. So again, mediocre, but he's making cuts. He's getting you enough points. And at this price, sure. We can, we can get some shares of him in there as well. Um, the last couple of guys, guys I'm going to touch on is uh, as our one of our favorite plays is Ryan Armour. Um, he's he was actually similar with competing with Scott Stallings in the same tournaments. I think it was 
was it the 3M Open? Uh, it was right around there where they were competing for uh, top five. So uh, I like him as well. Sia was right. This maybe, you know, statistically probably isn't the best course for him, like long hitters, things like that. Uh, but I just think he's a guy that, you know, when he puts together a, a for a weekend, a good strong weekend, he can be in that elite class of golfer. And in this tournament at this price, getting someone capable of doing that, definitely have a few shares of him. Um, oh, he's also won this tournament in 2018. So you have someone who's already won it before. So there's that. that I mean, I like, so I like Vaughn Taylor. My concern with Vaughn Taylor is that I just don't know how old he is. And sometimes I think he might be like 50 and I'm like, is he just too old to play in your lineup? But other than that, he's, he's actually got decent recent form. Um, he's incredibly cheap and he missed the cut last year, but in 2019, he was tied for 26. He was tied for 10th in 2018. Didn't play in 2017 tied for 20. That's really strong for someone at this price range. I mean, that's, more often than not, it's averaging top 20. So I would 100% like him a lot, you know, especially when you're putting in your, you know, Siwoo Kims, your Zalo Torres, uh, Byung-Hung and what have you. Um, the last couple of guys I'm going to touch on because I know we're, we're, we're taking long here. So I was going to mention uh, Sia's boy from last week, Aaron Baddeley. Um, I like Aaron mainly because he's got a tied for fourth and a tied for 30th. Uh, there were a few years ago. Um but he's, like, he's one of those guys that I, I see popping in a weaker field. Um, Peter Malnati, I, I only mentioned him because he's won the tournament, but that was in 2006, maybe one share or two. And then uh, my last mention for, for, for the low range, and a guy that I actually like a lot, is DJ Traham. So I, I, I started getting turned on to DJ in Showdown. I played him Saturday and Sunday. Um, last weekend, and he's in good form. So I took his recent form and said, okay, he's playing well. And I'm not even just talking about, you know, last week. He, if you look, so a lot of times when I'm doing showdown, I'll look at, let me see your last three tournaments. And if you have guys, I want to find guys that have gotten below 60, 66 or below multiple times. Because that's what I need to win. I need a guy that's going to get me a 66 or below, especially in a showdown. So over the last three weeks, he had a bunch. And like, yeah, maybe he also has a 74 here or there, but he's able to get you that 66, which is how you score well. So at this price, he just seems way too juicy uh, to pass up on. Ooh, juicy. I like that a lot. That is fun. Um, and yes, <laughs> remember, we're not done with the 6K range. Go to windailysports.com backslash chat, and you can hop in our expert chat. Seal will give you that secret weapon. You can plug him into your lineups and pretty much just forget about it at that point because the dude doesn't miss. So that is the DFS portion. Let's get to the other fun stuff. We're going to have some first-round leaders, but first... Uh, give me some outrights. We've already talked about a couple. I think Luke List was one of them at 40 to 1, Sia, right? And there was somebody else that you mentioned, but I apologize. You guys have mentioned like 100 people in the last hour, so I forgot. Who are some of your outright bets that you have uh, coming up for the Sanderson Farms Championship? So interesting. I got Luke List, I believe, on my website, which is a website for play chips. Um, I think I got it at 40 to one, but on DraftKings, he's 55 to one. And let's just go by DraftKings. So obviously shop your lines, whether it's golf or any other sport. Um, so the outrights that I like, of course, are Luke List, which you can get apparently at 55 to one. Cam Davis at 46 to one, I think is actually pretty solid value. And then, I, you know me, I, I'm going to just take some long shots here. I'm not going to take the, you know, the, the classic, you know, uh, 
Ben on or Sam Burns or Scotty Scheffler because the odds aren't very good. Um, Tom Lewis at 75 to one. Uh, I hate that Tom Lewis has never played this course before, but it doesn't seem like a super complex course. So I'm not super worried about that. Cameron Tringali at 90 to one and Nick Taylor at 125 to one. Those are my outrights. And by the way, in that 6K range, another guy I like for DFS is Rob Oppenheim. I believe he's 6,500. He's made a few cuts in a row. His ball striking hasn't been great, but he's somehow found a way to sneak into top 20. So that's another guy to look into in that um, really low stars and scrubs range. If I'm not mistaken, Joel, you brought him up last week, right? I did. I liked him last week. I I agree with that play. Um, And there's another guy that I intentionally left out of DFS that I'm going to mention now. I do like him for DFS too if you want to play him. But I didn't want to mention him because I want this to be the first mention of him. Um, is my outright play? I'm going to bet it for like obviously very small wager. This is not something I, I would bet super confidently. He's a big long shot, but he's sixty to one. So sixty to one. I feel like I like the sixty to one shots on this field because it's like nobody should be a heavy favorite in this field, right? Because nobody's that great. Um, and the one st- I'm going to read this stat before I tell you who it is. He did not play here the last two years. He has tied for 25th in 2018, didn't play in 2017, tied for second in 2016. His price on DraftKings is 6100 almost the minimum. So this is a guy, when he plays this course, he's 25 and second. He's almost the minimum price. His name is William McGurk. Um, I love him. I love him as a play. I, for I like his name. He's like someone I want to get behind this week. I'm going to put a few shekels on him to win the tournament at 60-1. to one. Um the, my thought process for gambling, not DFS for this week, is like it feels if it's not going to be one of the top guys, one of the main favorites who I do like, who I might put a little bit on, I like see his strategy of like let's wait till day two, let's wait till Saturday, see where guys are, and then, then we can maybe put a straight-up wager then on a more favorite because the odds won't change much, right? Like unless they have, unless one of the top four guys has a three-stroke lead already – it could be similar odds, but you get now maybe you'll lose a couple points. But for the most part, you can wait a couple days for the favorites because those odds don't change all that much heading into Saturday. And if one of them is not playing well, then you saved your money. You didn't have to waste it. Um, the long shot, so you have to bet now because if McGurr is in top 10 coming into Saturday, he's not going to be 16-1. So um, if you want to have some fun and take a shot on him, I think he's the guy to kind of take a splash on. Go ahead. Wait, are you saying McGurr is 6-0 as in 60-1? to Am I wrong? Yeah, he's three hundred and fifty to one. That's Holy why because it didn't make any sense. If, he, if he's sixty one hundred, obviously he's going to be like two hundred to one or more. I'm I'm literally looking at my my play money site, and I'm sure DraftKings is similar. He's three hundred and fifty to one. Three hundred and fifty to one. Let's go. He's plus sixty thousand. Is that what does that mean? Oh, so I think that's six hundred to one. You say. 60,000? 60, yeah, that's 600. 600. Yeah, so four, so 600. That makes more... Okay, so then that's... Wait, now it's 600 to 1? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is amazing. This We're is amazing. already rich. Yeah. Shit. Oh, my God. This is awesome. And by the way, by the way, DJ Trahan, and that was a very compelling argument, is uh, 300 to 1. So I think I found a new first-round leader and a new outright to throw a few bucks down on. Yeah, those are my, those are my two... So this is the week where... Going in before the tournament starts, like I said, take your long shots, see if you can get somebody to hit. Um, I think the best betting strategy, if you're going to bet an outright winner, is to wait to the weekend because I just think it's a it's an odds play. They won't change all that much unless they have a big lead. So I think you can then get those guys, make sure they're in it then, and, and then put your, your wagers in. Right. 
Right. And I, I usually like, if you like a top guy, I usually like them to hopefully have a, you know, a below average Thursday or Friday. So instead of Scheffler being a 12 to one, he becomes like a, a 20 to one because he's six shots back and there's like a d- decent amount of decent players ahead of him. So that's some, that's how I hit the Dustin Johnson 80 to one outright. You want to wait for him to have a bad Thursday and I bet him Friday morning. And that was that. You want to hear a funny story? So I don't remember which tournament it was, but it's a couple months ago over the summer. I was hot, right? I was hitting bets on golf. I was, I'm feeling good. And I was targeting, uh, it was something along the lines of like a third round leader. So it was like, I was already around third, but just the leader after that day. Um, I don't remember exactly who it was, but I remember waking up and being like, oh, I forgot to put the bet in. So let me just put it in now. And it was like 8, 7 a.m. or something. So I go and put in some guy I wanted to win. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is the odds so good for, for this particular golfer to win for the day? He shouldn't be this low. It just doesn't add up to me. So I'm just like, whatever, I'm just going to put some money on it. I, I, I must be missing something. I turned to find out a few minutes later, half hour later, that he tripled bogey the first hole. I didn't know he started already. So he started <laughs> with bogey, and I just bet on this guy who starts the round with the triple bogey. So I'm like, that can't be good. That's a hard way. So I stopped paying attention all day. Turns out he recovers and actually has the lead after the round. And I just oh, – so the odd boost was just like so lucky because I it was like this odds make no sense. <laughs> it would be so bad. I'll just take it. And then he ended up recovering and I won. And so I made a mistake, but it, it worked out. So I that's love that. incredible. I also love um, the dollar bet uh, that I just put on William McGirt at uh, 600 to 1. So excited. It's so excited, exciting, right? It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, talk to me about first-round leaders. Joel wants to go watch this presidential debate for some reason. <laughs> it's so funny, by the way, because when he said 60 to 1 and he said he was 60 to 100, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the DFS play of the decade because <laughs> obviously Vegas knows something that DraftKings yep. and FanDuel don't. Anyway, um, so, okay, my first round leader plays Doc Redman, 45 to 1. Uh, Sam Burns, 50 to 1. Luke List, 66 to 1. Tom Lewis, 80 to 1. Kyle Stanley, 80 to 1. I got to cut one of these out. But, look, okay, but let me break some news. Are you ready for me to break some oh, news? Oh, hell yeah. All right. Let me get my DraftKings app back open. All, All right. right. So, the breaking news, and nobody knows this yet, guys. This is like literally this. It's what is it? 9.09 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am telling the world that tomorrow, the first round leader, or Thursday, the first round leader will be at 100 to 1, Tom Hoagie. You are welcome, America. You're welcome, world. If, you're, if, if you guys are listening to us abroad, Tom Hoagie at 100 to 1 is your first round leader. I am telling you this on a Tuesday night at 9, 10 p.m. I can see the future. Tom Hoagie is your first round leader. And those are my first round leader plays, but throw in J.B. Holmes too at 100 to 1 because why not? Put a couple bucks on J.B. Holmes. He's got why some not upside. at that point? That is fun. Uh, I'm just looking for Tom Hoagie right now. What a great last name too. I'm more right? of a sub sub guy, but hey, teach his own. Joel, talk we've to got, me. We've got Hoag and Hoagie. I'm definitely going to have a lineup yeah. with both of them in it. Yeah, you kind of have to. to. Eat a sandwich while you're doing it. Uh, Joel, talk to me a little bit about your uh, your first-round leaders. Yeah, so a few uh, a few guys I'm going to mention here. Uh, the first first-round leader that I like at um, – now I'm now I'm in my head. I'm, I'm, is it 80 to 1? Yeah, it's 80 to 1. JT posted. Uh, I think he's a good golfer. I, I, I think he's going to have a really good first round. I like that play for your first-round leader play. Um I also am going to throw a couple of shekels on Carlos Ortiz. Uh, I don't, you know, I, like I love him in DraftKings for the week. Um, 
I don't know, just something. I just feel like he's not going to win the tournament, but like first round, something like that. Like that, I, that I like him. So that's where I'm going to try and play him. Um, and then the last play I'll mention for a first round leader, and I, I go to him a lot. He, he hasn't hit for me yet, but it's coming. And it's Jonathan Vegas. He's going to hit me my first round leader bet. I keep going back to it. When it hits, it's going to be glorious. Um, so he's my last mention there. Now, there's a couple other bets I just want to touch on while we're on the topic. The first, my favorite bet of the week, it's minus 150. You got to lay a little juice. But I just, I really like Scotty Scheffler top 20. I think he's he's just a head and shoulders above everyone else in the field. Um, we don't, listen, it's hard to predict someone to win a tournament. But I do think, yeah, I think he's he's, he's going to play well. And I, I, I don't see him falling out of the top 20 here. So I'm going to put some on the, I'm going to lay the juice a little bit. I'm going to play him for the uh, top 20 bet. Um. Yeah, that's all I'm going to – that's all. Perfect. You had me suspensed, but uh, I guess we're good. We are good. So that is our breakdown of the Sanderson Farms Championship. Uh, I might not be back next week because if this 600 to 1 hits, I'm going to be $600 richer. So I might go, I don't know, out to dinner maybe or something if we're even allowed here in New Jersey. But a lot of fun. Appreciate you, gentlemen. As always, Sia, where can everybody find you on the internet? They can find me at Sia Najad, S-I-A-N-E-J-A-D, or – if I may, tomorrow night, 8.30 on the NFL betting lines show, which is awesome, and the picks are awesome, so tune in. And we'll have some DFS picks for you, too. Yeah, Sia started everybody out 1-0 and last week. He also had a couple other really good ones. Um, I think he went against Josh Allen again, man. I don't know why you keep doing it to yourself. You got to stop. Just ride the lightning. He made you a lot of money, too. So, I mean, shit, now it's starting to get awkward. But, uh, Joel, <laughs> where can everybody find you on the internet? Um, at DraftmasterFlex. Um and um, that's everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, you name it. That's where you find me. I love it. I love it. And yes, one more time, windailysports.com backslash chat to come hang out, ask all the questions you want to see it, to Joel, to our NFL team, to our MLB, our NBA, all of the incredible LOL. LOL's back apparently, so that's fun. You can find me at Michael Brazil one Thank you all for hanging out. We appreciate it, and we hope you make it a very profitable Sanderson Farms Championship with... Uh, Mr. McGirt, 601. Let's get it, boys. Let's get it. <laughs>